Hello everyone, good evening, welcome to In My Shoes, I'm your host Chester Lamosa, and I'm here with Michael Kiedo. Michael is on the show today to tell us about his experience with the performing arts and the role it played in his life from then to now. Michael, how are you? I'm very fine, Chester. And how are you? <laughs> yes. I am excited to hear what you have to say. Um, so to start us off, tell us a little about your upbringing now. Well, Chester, I grew up in Maloney in a time where it wasn't really difficult. I saw difficulty around me, but I was always the person to, to engage in observation and learning from my own mistakes and learning from other people's mistakes also. So there's a, a, a coin that they say um, poverty dams but sometimes poverty teaches and it is important for us to know at times that every single thing that we experience in life whether it be negative or positive is a learning experience and the important thing to take away is to learn i grew up in a in a very protective home my mother and father both christians spiritual baptist to be um being sorry and we were all going to church every Sunday religiously yeah. and I think that also shaped part of my life, you know, not, not so much that I, that I was embedded in that theology, but it helped a formal sense of right and wrong yeah and how to treat with morals. others yeah morals and values and how to treat with with others community wise and even in the home because yeah. a lot of people like to think that there is a thing called a perfect home or a perfect man and that doesn't exist you understand we are all here to learn and to experience and that is my takeaway from all of it Um, tell me at what age did you start pursuing a career in the performing arts? Well, at that age, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have called it a, a career, but it started around... Yes. Well, I was young at that time, you know, at, it, could, it could probably be around 12, probably 10, 12 around there. 
can't remember yeah. I can't remember the exact age but it's it funny how eh, majority of my voyages into different things started with my brother actually eh? so he started off with um uh, Maloney Rising School for the Arts was the name of the best village group yeah. that was here that was um owned by Miss Vera Washington uh, they used to practice down in the Maloney government primary school yeah. and my brother actually used to run away and go down there <laughs> to practice and when he come home he used to get in trouble for my parents eh? but I used to be like oh, where is my brother going so and he coming home be getting in trouble be still going because he enjoying himself and I guess he learning too and then I hear stories of them coming home from the practice and having talks about certain things and different folklore talks and people frightened and people laughing and you know in, in Maloney you wouldn't expect at that point in time people to be having that kind of discussion and I say well if you could run away and get in trouble and still be happy I could do it too <laughs> <laughs> you know so I decided to go down there and it was really captivating. I knew nothing about the performing arts, about our local folklore. I knew nothing about dance, drum, nothing but it just grabbed me. You know, uh, I met Jaja Unilu, Jaja Uga Unilu at that point in time. He's now deceased. Uh, he was very instrumental in my life. I remember um, when I go there, he just watched at me and he say, you know, you can be great things at seeing certain things about you and being the type of person I was at that time. I would say, nah man, he must be, if you don't mind, I say, he must be bullshitting me. Well, that sounds not really young. <laughs> okay. So at that point in time, I just said, you know, he probably bullshitted me just to get me to join the group. But more than that, what was taking place, I saw happiness. Yeah. You know, staying from my corner and observing life, for majority of the time, you would see homes without fathers, homes without some mothers. It's always an argument, it's always a fighting. And there was a sense of belonging and, and togetherness. Even if it lasted for just a few minutes, it was enough to capture me and I was all for that. I was all for, for togetherness still today. All for, for, for togetherness and, and camaraderie and happiness. Seeing people doing things that, that they love, passionate about, you know? Yeah. So, I started there as a drummer. Neil Gatson said that. Okay. Um, what I think everyone wants to know when you give us a little peek, but you want church as well, right? Mm -hmm. So, was your performances with best village your first experiences with the stage? 
Yes, actually. Yes, yes, it was. And and it was incremental steps, sir. Eh? I remember reaching this stage very early on in German. I didn't yeah. know I had this natural talent. New drum? From what age? Well, from the time I joined the group, I started off drumming because that was what my brother was doing. But I didn't, as I said, I didn't know I had that natural talent. Um, it was just at the get-go, but it had some ups and downs with it. Eh? My brother was always better with the drumming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I also had talent for dancing, so I also danced. Yeah. But I started off with the drumming. And I remember starting, and my brother, he already started to go on stage, but I was still in this beginner class, although I was advancing quickly. And in his, to try to reach to the stage, I remember um, trying to show off from a teacher, which is Jaja Onilu. And, and I remember he burst my bubble till I reached home and cried that day. It was my fault, but... When I said I could do it, and he said, Well, alright, do this, do this, do this, and when I do it, for a better word, I bust on my average. And he said, Nah, you ain't ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That sank my heart because I, I know I'm right there, but you tell me I ain't ready yet. So I come home, I lie, I cry because other people growing up, and I just did practicing. And yeah. that was that was a valuable lesson, you know, not to rush at things in life. Yeah. But before you know it, I was already on the stage, jumping amongst everyone because the talent was natural. I didn't know. What are some of your roles in Vast Village? Well, some of my roles were as a drummer. Yeah. Dancer. Oh, <laughs> Okay, yes. And I also did some acting too. It wasn't mainstream except for one particular time. And because I have an open person, when we get to there, I will share that experience. But, <laughs> but it all in all was drumming, dancing, acting, and also handicraft. I also learned to, to, to do handicraft from Jaja Onilu. That is with carvings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your most memorable role? I would assume it would be in this role where you want mainstream. Tell us about it. Well, I wouldn't call it mainstream. You see, you jump ahead there to the same part I say I would um, speak about when it reached to that. Eh? But it reached to that now, so I will speak about it. Um, in the year 2005-2006, our best village group decided that Hear what we're going to win the entire competition, the entire Prime Minister's Best Village Trophy competition, and nothing is going to stop us. So we took part in basically every single thing, from drumming to dancing to acting to singing to 
every single thing that you could possibly think about. Uh, the, we we interacted with East Indian groups to take part in the East Indian um, part of dance and drumming music, uh, musical assembly. Yeah. Uh, even sports. Uh, but this particular time was had to deal with acting. I remember at that point in time, young, I just was about to finish school. I had a girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call her name, but I had, a, I had a girlfriend. And part of the, the skit, they hired a, a videographer to film a scene right in my building where I live. And the scene that I had to act was a rude boy by the staircase with the girlfriend. A rude boy by the staircase with the girlfriend and I had in for the video to kiss my girlfriend. We were just girlfriend and boyfriend, we didn't even kiss before that. Eh? And that was my first time kissing her. And it was the first time having a real kind of, you know, having to do the acting. How was it? It was life-changing, so to say. Because we went back and forth for a little time of actually having to do it on the spot. And then she was like, you know, let me just do the thing. And the person who was video... Um, was recording. He was a videographer for TV6 News at the point in time. So our concern was how far this video was going to reach. And he said, oh, you know what, let me just do it. And Andy Johnson? No, it wasn't Andy Johnson. He lives somewhere to the back by the field there. I, I don't want to call his name. Why? Hmm? Why? Well, his first name is Michael, also. Understand? His, his daughter, at the point in time, was a part of the Best Village Group. At that time, the Best Village Group, group was called Mbilisi Creativity of the Art. Mbilisi meaning growth and development. Alright? And yeah. she leaned up against the, um, the staircase wall. And we kissed. And it was both magical for us, first time we kissing. And... Then it had the other members of the group who was like, ooh. So, you know, but after that, I never saw that footage. It's probably somewhere in West Village archives. But it was a defining part in my performance life. I knew that I would have tapped into things. And it also meant getting rid of fears or uh, confronting my fears face on and doing things and realizing it's not so bad, you know? Yeah. Um, what I want to ask now is how would you prepare for these walls in Bass Village? Bye, Chester. Every single performance for me were, I wouldn't say nerve-wracking, but it shook me up because I was a sort of a perfectionist and I had a fear of failing 
No, according to the planet, the planet, I am cancer. Ah. Yeah. So, ah. I was perfectionist and, and every time I had to perform, I prayed because I come from a spiritual background. Yeah. And I spoke to the different persons in, in charge of the different faculties, whether it be drumming, dancing, according to the performance I had to do. And they would have reassured me that, yes, I have it. And then I would find myself in a room by myself. And I would meditate and focus, surprisingly, on the worst case scenario in the performance. Whether people would laugh or boo, and then I get to, from time to time, develop a sense of it is me on the stage. And people come to see me. Whether they didn't come to see me in particular, I would be on the stage. I am the professional there. And even if I make a mistake, it's up to me to make it into something they would like still. Even if they laugh, at least I help someone to have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So... With that taken in, that into mind, I didn't have performances where I did bad or I, I messed it up. I did well on all my performances, straight through my end. A new style, a part of the Prime Minister's past village group. No, I am no longer part of the group. Okay, so I'm a person who is loyal to my core. The, after we win the Bryce Bellis Prime Minister Trophy competition, that was in between 2005-2006. And that year, I won Best Supportive Drummer. I won Best male dancer and the group experienced some difficulties and they moved to Sandy Grande. Now Maloney is my home. So for me I would support our group for the growth and development of Maloney. And when it moved to Sandy Grande, I basically left until later on Jaja Unilu he asked me to enter back into the group as a German instructor now and I did so for one year um, well, my call, me well, over time. Um, that's uh, something I'd like to talk about, yeah, performing arts, so I'm really enjoying this interview, mm -hmm. but we have to go for a break now, this is in my shoes. My name is Chester.
We'll be right back. Good day. This product is brought to you by the amazing people at Anchor. Anchor is a free app where you could not only listen to your favorite podcasters, but you yourself can become a podcaster. Anchor will distribute your podcast among other platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn. Download the Anchor app today. Welcome back to In My Shoes. I'm here with my call and on this side of the week we are going to talk about his experience with me on Shaft Now this is something I personally interested to hear about so yeah let me have fun while going on my yeah good everything good everything good um but for this aspect of Sorry, yeah? Sorry, so I'm just hit more there, but go ahead, man, hit more, take your sense, man. I am cool, so what me all want to know is what is Ifa. Okay, so according to the tradition, Ifa is considered the esoteric word of Oludumari, Oludumari being God. We believe in one God. And if I represent the truth, what God stands for. So everything that exists, that exists, whether in the spiritual realm or in the physical realm, is the truth of the existence as a law by Oludumari. Even you yourself being here, this is truth. It's part of my destiny, it's part of your destiny. Remember some children... When they and their parents followed, they would say, um, well, I didn't ask to come here. <laughs> well, I just said that well, yesterday. Well, yeah, well, but not me, but a boy named Sean, mm-hmm. mother of him, and I was like, Oh God, don't talk to the boy, so he didn't ask to come here. And he said he mother didn't ask him to come here either. Alright, well the truth with respect to Ifa, Ifa says that it is we who choose to come here. We yes. Choose, we choose everything that we are, where we want to be placed in the world. We choose our parents. <laughs> so I remember <laughs> my mom when I came to Ifa, my mom saying, and I, and I brought this revelation to her. She was like, oh, so you choose me. So now I could continue to <laughs> But yes, Ifa is the truth. 
It is the unbending word of Olodumare and that everything that exists has purpose and everything that exists has their truth also. I am explaining to the audience what led you to become a part of the information. Well, for me to be able to do that, Chester, I had to go back to the performing arts. I will do your thing. Okay. So again, my brother is the one in the forefront who first accepted Ifa, and my experience came from the performing arts as a, both, a, both as a drummer and as a dancer. First being, there were these spiritual devotions in Best Village, where you would do a spiritual dance or so. So I was both a part of drumming and dancing with respect to the aspect. Um, playing drums, I realized that I was feeling a kind of welcoming vibes, like, you know, I'm exactly doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm home. And I remember before I get into the dance, Jaja, he asked me to do a dance devotion to Ogun, where I had to dance with two cutlass in my hand because at now I was the most senior, best male dancer. And I remember holding these two cutlasses and he was showing me the steps. And while I was in practice going through the steps, something kind of started to take over me and I got frightened. So I jumped down the cutlass and I said, Jaja, you know, I, I can't do this dance. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm coming out of myself. But it was feeling, it was feeling like, yeah, this, this, is, who I, this is who I am, you know. It was a mixed feeling at that point, but that is where the journey started. And from there, I skipped doing research and finding more and finding more and... It just happened like clockwork. I started to connect with different persons in the tradition. Unknown to me, people from different walks of life, people who working in the bank, I might go into the bank and just so the person might ask me, they say, you look like I saw you somewhere before already. And I say, well, I just perform in Best Village. And they'll say, okay, um, so you're you aware about Ifa, Norisha and thing, And I would be like, but I searching for this thing, you know, and this is how I start connecting with different persons and, and coming to Ifa. Now, when my Araba, he is the Araba of the Odi Oluwa Kingdom in Nigeria, when he came to Trinidad, I didn't know him yet. Um, that was up at a temple called Isam. I remember going there with Jaja as a young person just started in Best Village for something called a rain festival. It's in honor of Shongo and Oshun, two of the deities of the tradition. And playing drums there and then being reconnected to that place through a friend who I never thought would have been even connected to the spirituality. And she carried me back up there and I was like, wait, I was up here as a child. And I met the guy and our spirit connected. And he started to share information with me and I decided, okay, I will do something called a dafa 
or just what in other words would be called a reading. And newborn. Yes. And this reading shocking to me because I was just doing it to test the spirituality. Yes. And this reading started to speak about things from when I was a little baby to things about before I was even born to things that was happening at the point in time. And then they went on to explain things that I should do to come into my full power of who I am and who I have chosen to be. Now, with respect to the things before I was born, my mother was there with me on the day when I did that reading. And she could have confirmed that, yes, these things definitely did happen. So that is how I came to Eva. But my brother was the one who stepped out first. And I was kind of more or less following in his footsteps going along that way. Yeah. Um, besides all good, the God of Anyan, the second strongest and fiercest God is who are some other gods you can homage to. Right, but before I reach to the other gods, what I would like to say is that in truth, um, if our Isha people, or we will call ourselves Isheshe people. Isheshe. Yes. I saw a van in the We believe in one God, which is Oludumare. Yeah. And the others are deities, both primordial and otherwise spirits ordained by God or created by God himself to make the affairs of man comfortable and prosperous, prosperous on, on earth. There are also things called ajagoons, which we refer to as the functional and dysfunctional executioners against mankind. These ajagoons, these ajagoons, they um were also created by Oludumare and Oludumare created these Ajagoons just so that we can not lose respect for him or as I would say Oludumare is neither male or female we will not lose respect for Oludumare and we will not lose respect for our ancestors we will not lose respect for our elders and we will not lose respect for who we choose to be on earth as connected to our Ori, our destiny. So, so you were about to see something. Yes, yeah, so the other deities or Orisha that I pay homage to is Orimila. This is who we exchangeably call Ifa. Okay. Yes. There is Eshu, rightfully called Eshu or Dara. There is Obatala, 
who has many other priest names also. There is Oshun, there is Yemoja, there is Irile. There, is, uh, there are many. In fact, when I, when I was praying earlier, I gave respect to Igbarumle Ochokotun, Igbarumle Ochokesi, a call in Iriwurumle. There is 200 on the left of Olodumari, 200 on the right of Olodumari, and 400 plus one, plus one, plus one, and they interchangeably move between heaven and earth. So there are so much Orishas that I can speak about that it's, it's so much, and then there are those that I don't even know. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, was your special leader on your papa as you watch when I initiated, I got to found, find out that there is no one spiritual leader. You can learn from every spiritual leader because no spiritual leader knows everything. So when I initiated, uh, the different awos who was there, or spiritual leaders or babas who was there, were first presiding was Maya Rabba Ifakulade of the Udi Ulwo yeah. Kingdom in Nigeria. Yeah. Then there were the Uluwo of Trinidad and Tobago, um, Ifa Korede. There were also Ogun Kaye, who is a Ogun priest. There were, if I could remember well, there was also Ogun Boale, who is also another Ogun priest. There was also Aina. She's a Obatala priestess and chief. There were many different Aos there. So they are all my teachers. What made you comfortable enough to settle in faith or to become Shasha? Are you Shishi person? Yes. Sound yeah, you butchered that. That is okay, man. Uh, it, it, it's kind of sad eh, because uh, a lot of our history was taken away from us. So we are finding ourselves back. So with that respect to that mistake, that is okay. We are here and we are learning. Alright? Um, it was quite comfortable for me. Uh, and I'm going to share something here. Although I was growing up in a spiritual home, spiritual Baptist, and we need to understand spiritual Baptist or spiritual shouter Baptist and if our Risha people are not the same. Yes. Okay. The spiritual Baptists, they are Christians. Although, although I see for uh, spiritual shouter Baptist, they, they play a lot of Ella and their music. And it shouldn't be, but moving away from that, uh, it was quite comfortable for me. I remember when I was being baptized in spiritual Baptist, 
uh, I was around the age of 9, 10. And whilst in the water, before they dip you into the water, they ask you a question. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I remember at that point in time, I choked up. I couldn't answer because I knew for a fact I wasn't feeling that. I wasn't feeling that at all, given me as a person who always, even at that age, observed people life very well. I look at, in, in that essence, a lot of people, the church was full with female, they had no husbands, and it was just females there with no husbands, and I was like, if this is so spiritual, where, although my mother and father were together, majority of the places I went to with regards to the spiritual Baptist faith on pilgrimage, you would call it, um, it was like that. So I started to ask myself questions from very young. And when they met me with that question in baptism, I didn't answer. At that point in time, my father was a baptizer. The person who was baptizing me was my godfather. You know, so... <clears throat> They asked the question like, at that point in time, what was going on? And I was like, I couldn't answer the question. Nevertheless, they still baptized me. And from that day, my godfather, he said to call me um, smart man. Because I believe too that he understood. The spiritual Baptist church that I used to go to, that is by the way still run by my father today. And I hold nothing against him because that is all part of my becoming to be, right? This is yeah. what he accepted and I could, I could honor that. Yes. That particular spiritual Baptist church was an Orisha temple before. You understand? Yeah. And I get to understand the reason for converting to spiritual Baptist or Christian was at that point in time in history... Orisha people, you know, the police used to break in your temple and do all kind of things, mash up your implements and you wouldn't receive funding from the government to help with certain things like all the other um, faith-based religion at that point in time. So the, the heads of that church, they made a conscious decision to switch to spiritual Baptist so that they can receive funding and not be harassed and all these kind of stuff. So they found themselves under Archdiocese, where they first was practicing both Ifa Orisha and the Christian aspect. And then the Archdiocese told them that they had to move away from the African spirituality and just practice Christianity. All these revelations came to me and was taught to me by my mother even, well, when she realized I was really going down this road. Because she in herself also realize that wait there's something more to this ifa orisha thing it's not about just going to a feast and jumping up and singing in fact the persons who's, who practice ifa orisha or the shisha tradition in the correct way that they should you would find that they are more calm they are more respectable persons in society they grow they develop they keep moving from strength to strength and they don't harbor ill will against anyone they are always willing to help you understand yeah. 
Go back to the first part, which was about Ifa and Orisha. No, yet unanswered at a ready. Also, the second part, yeah, I believe in answer. Yes, when you do, you believe. No, I do not believe in, in Jesus as a, as a matter of fact. As history would show you evidently and outrightly, uh, Jesus and the whole Christian concept was forced upon the slaves and those persons. So, no, I don't know. I love your answer. I want to add to that that. How would your oppressors give you something to make you better when they, their sole focus is on keeping you enslaved? So why would I believe in Jesus when that was forced upon me in a time when they were trying to break me into keeping me enslaved? You understand? Yeah. So the next part was? Do you come here? Charm. So okay, yes. Now when I did initiation there is what they call the pre-initiation casting. What they when they find out about your life before and certain things that was affecting your life and how to resolve it, then you would have your birthing Odu, which you get to find out who you are, and after that is your Ita Odu which is where you will get to find out the things that you need to do to become that person and to keep on growing in that strength. Now, in my pre-initiation Odu, it speaks about things that have been happening to me in the past and it was confirmed by my mother even with dreams that she was having with some of my taboos that I received in initiation. That, for example, many of the times she dreamed I was killed, condom died from some sickness I was wearing red and when I initiated I get to find out that red is one of my taboos I'm not supposed to wear clothes with red in it at all <laughs> you understand how serious it is but with regards to the charm it's not so much so a charm the Udu Okara Osa speak about the weapon that Orin Miller 
or who will interchangeably call FIFA use to chase that away and to chase the attributes away, which is, as I re relate to earlier, the functional and dysfunctional executioners against humankind. Is a horse tail, it's called an iruke, yeah. and that I would carry with me in my car. I would drive around wherever I need to go. I don't hold it in my hand yet because I'm not a chief yet. But I would have it in my car, in my home, and it will protect me according to my Arabah day and night. Um, what you comfortable taking a picture of it for Instagram? Yeah, I have no problem with that. Um, it's not here, it's in my vehicle at the point in time, so probably afterwards. Okay, this is in my shoes, we'll be right back. Do you need a bit of inspiration? Well, you've come to the right place. In my shoes is the place where we discuss the goals, Accomplishments and struggles faced by ordinary people like you. Welcome back to in my shoes. Thank you for staying with us. Now, what's in your would not have known is Mr. Theodore here is also a father so now he's going to tell us about his experience with fatherhood. Mr. Theodore. Hmm. My experience in fatherhood, as it still is because I'm still a father, is one of great joy, learning. It's amazing. Now, when I met my wife, Triva, she already had two children. And surprisingly enough, I met her in a praise. Right? And I just connected to her. Maybe you could call it love at first sight or whatever is the, the beautiful expression that we use in our, in our tongue. But we connected so deeply. And I also connected to her son because her son shared a passion of drumming just like I did. Uh, that was, he was around four. Okay, and I just grew so attached to him. And as related, the tradition says that he's my son. You know, he's my son, so I accept him as my own. And then a year later, yeah, so about a year later, we was conceived, well, she was conceived with my son, who is today called Ifamwakun. And which means um, Ifa creates makes good character. 
I remember the day of his birth. It was so emotional for me, eh? When I went to the hospital, because, and I, and I can tell you, before that, the clinic appointments was a battle between me and the doctors and the nurses. They wanted to cut her. Because um, a lot of people don't know when they go to the hospital for pregnancies, especially um, San Fernando Hospital, the first thing they would want to do is have you do a C-section. They would speak to you about having it because the doctors, for every C-section that they do, they tie the Not they tie the tubes, but they get a bonus on their salary for every C-section. So they would rather you be in and out, just have a C-section, and they get a bonus on their salary, and also they get to just move on to someone else quicker. So the best place to have child for me, now that I know, is Sandy Grandy because they have midwives that would push for more natural birth. So, but he came late. My son came late. He, he spent his full term in, in, in the womb and some time after that. So, <laughs> so she had, uh, they say the best things in life you wait for, right? Yeah. So she had to do the C-section either ways. Oh, man, <laughs> that's... Oh. Yeah, because I really wanted to be in the room with her, you know, but I also had to work. So the day when I went to the hospital, I went with my mom because I started to feel emotional from home. And when I went into the, the ward where they were staying after the pregnancy, obviously the baby would be in the cot right next to her. And I walk in from the time I spot him in the cot. I walk right back out the ward with tears in my eyes. Now, I'm being honest, if it was anything to change my life, was the birth of my son. My life basically flashed before my eyes. I remember all the stupidness I would have done when I was younger. <laughs> I, I remember um, fast forwarding to how he would be at five, how he would be at ten the different um, sports that we would enjoy together because I, I grew up playing basketball for the Maloney Pacers Basketball Club. I imagine playing basketball with him, going prayers with him, um, doing prayers at home with him, just doing things that fathers and sons would do that I know I enjoyed with my father and that I even saw that some children didn't have the afford with their fathers, you know? Yeah. I wanted to give him that and more. You understand? So he is so much a blessing to me. I I don't know. I probably would have been doing a lot worse if he didn't come into my life. Um as human your son is not yet fifty, yeah. Are <laughs> you planning to introduce him to Ufa? Well, he is born into the tradition, 
Um, before he was born, his mother did the, um, the required divination to find out about how to treat with the, the pregnancy so that the pregnancy would have been a success. After he was born, in a matter of seven to nine days, we had what was called essentiae done for him. What is that? So essentiae, when you do essentiae for a child, you get to find out who the child is. Um, you get to find out the taboos of the child or some, some of the taboos of the child and how to best guide the child so that he doesn't fall through the cracks. So as, as we will speak um, in our terms, he doesn't fall through the crack and he be, grows to be a role model in society or in our tradition we'll call Omo Luabi, the chief of the child of good character. You understand? And, and, yes. and that was done. So, but yes, he would grow up in this, in this tradition, but just as every human being has free will, obviously at some point in time he would have the choice to choose if he wants to continue or if he wants to do something else. Like if, like if um, um, part of me, um, forget I can't remember right now, um, is his name, Nifa, um, Sonia, don't my tongue, but as his name, African origin. Well, yes, it is African origin, but Ifa is universal. Yeah. Um, it's only the persons or the people who wants to divide the world who would say Ifa is African. Ifa is universal. Uh, there are people from America, different countries in Europe, China, Russia, all over the world who initiated Ifa. Because like I said, Ifa is the truth. The truth as spoken by Oldumare, the truth that you have chosen in heaven before you come to earth, you get to know who you are. That is the best public blessing you could ever receive in your life and and that is just, that is it. Uh, what his name means again? Okay, so his name, Ifa Muwakun, it means Ifa makes good character. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah? So it says a lot about who he's supposed to be in life. He, according to Ifa, is supposed to become a babalao, which is a head priest. Um, he's supposed to, anywhere he goes in life, he's supposed to engender and, and create in others good character. Just as my name is Ifa Taishi, which means Ifa makes the world a better place. Anywhere I go, anything I touch, I'm supposed to make it better. That is, that is my essence, that is my purpose on earth. Like to bring joy to people. Well, my other son, his name is is Coyote, 
or as he did his hand of Ifa or Isifa, his name is Ifa Kayudi, which means Ifa brings joy. So his ashi and his purpose is to bring joy into to, to other people's lives. Somebody with that name might have been like a, a, a comedian who would make people laugh or who would um, open some big um, NGO that will um, bring relief to victims of flood or, or people who can't afford housing to help build um, starter houses for people, you know. Anything that could bring joy to someone's heart, that will be his ashe. Right, and um, how would you protect his mind from the other doctrines of human at such a young age? You know, in schools, I remember being in primary school and you would have these groups of other people come and talk about Jesus. How would you protect him from that? Okay, that, that is a great question, eh? I and I'm glad that you asked that question too. I don't have to protect him from other doctrines. And I'll get, I'll get it this way. Are you going to homeschool him then? No. The benefit of going to government schools is that they get to socialize and become sociable. Meaning that you'll be able to interact with different people from different walks of life, different children from different walks of life different backgrounds, different teachings. Now, when I was in primary school, I went, to, unknown to my parents, I went to different R.I. classes, you know? I went to Catholic R.I. class, although I was a Baptist. I went to Muslim R.I. class. I went to Hindu R.I. class. And that didn't change where I am today. So, in all these doctrines, you get to even find yourself better. You get to solidify your grounding where you are. You understand? My son, I would expose him. My father and mother are still Christian today. When I go to work, I work a week on, a week off. They will stay by my parents for a complete week. They are practicing Christians. They would play Christian music and all these kind of stuff. All that will help to build his character. It wouldn't take away from him. As I said, also, your parents are your first teachers. So when he is home, he would learn if I wish I practice prayers, rituals, things to do. And if when he reach a particular way, he wants to go away from that, then that is on him, you know? Um, this tradition is not about forcing and donging anything, anybody's truth, because everybody have their purpose. Nobody knows when a person would transition from one point to the next. Nobody knows, how can I vex with you if you are a Christian? Not knowing that the little conversation I have with you can mean so much to you that could begin, not 
immediately or abruptly change your mind about what you believe in but begin your journey into finding your a, a different path even if my son decides to go to christianity if he is to find his way back he will <laughs> you understand so it's not about protecting him from different doctrines that helps build character okay and we're out of time for this episode of in my shoes yeah any last words for the people messed up my last words would be it no matter what is your background what is your spirituality where you grew up in the world what are your experiences always look for the good in things always use it as a catalyst to to propel you forward uh, don't use your poverty as an excuse to be angry in everything there is a message in every single thing there is a message in fact one should uh, exchange your physical uh, age or development for learning you can learn from a cat a dog uh, an insect from anybody a stone that even sitting there by yourself a stone might tell you hey regardless of what storm pass or whatever happens i am still here you know and you could apply these this theology to yourself because they are all teachings apply it to yourself to make yourself stronger every person have a purpose find your purpose and live your purpose some beautiful words yeah i couldn't have said it better myself this has been chester with my call on this episode of in my shoes have yourself a blessed and enjoy you can come up ahead and I'm going to remind y'all now to keep walking.